What is going on, everybody? Welcome into Anti Up. I'm Howard Bender. With me, of course, Adam Aronis. We're here courtesy of Fantasy Alarm on the Sawdust Podcast Network. Adam, what's going on, man? How are you? How was the weekend, dude? I haven't spoken to you in days. Oh, it was good. Busy. You know, get ready for baseball. Watch some basketball. So, yeah, it was it was a good weekend, but mostly basketball over the weekend. Yeah, anything like super exciting going on in the world of basketball that I missed? Um, not really. Monday was just Monday was a disappointing night. Just a lot of blowouts, a lot of underperformers, DFS props. Sunday was way better. Sunday was seven and one night on wager alarm between bets and props, but uh, kind of just threw it down the drain on Monday, <laughs> which kind of happens, you know. <laughs> Lost two prop bets by a half point. You know, what are you going to do? There was blowouts, man. Like uh, Bulls won by 20. Even though the Mavericks won by 10, that game was not as close as that. It was the disgusting. And it, it was a total of 194. The over-under was 234. So way under. Um, the Heat won by 14. The Suns beat the Blazers by 32. Uh, the Jazz beat the Hornets by uh, 22. So Dude, yeah, the jazz. The jazz keep rolling. Yeah, they lost to the Clippers the other day. Um, oh, dude, you talk about a bad beat. Remember, I came on the alarm show on Friday and I said at that point I didn't know that Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Luke Kennard, and Nicholas Batum were going to play. Right. And I said I like the under two twenty four and a half. Well, there. This is where you go. Hey, I had the right play, and I just got kicked in the nuts. There were seventy four points in the fourth quarter. There was 21 points in the final minute to push that game over. It's ridiculous. 21 in the final minute and 74 in the fourth quarter to push it over. That is, uh, that's ridiculous. That's Welcome ridiculous. to NBA betting. <laughs> right? I'm so glad I don't do it. I'm yeah, so glad right. I don't. I'm like sitting here. I'm like lamenting not winning at DFS, not, not playing. Uh, you know, the eSports over at Fantasy Alarm and NASCAR and, and golf both had big weeks over the weekend. Of course, I didn't play anything at all over the weekend. So it's like, you know, I deal with that versus, you know, all the, the, the craziness of, uh, of NBA betting. So hey, look, it's it's fun for the most part. But, you sure. know, sometimes when you're you're going to get on the losing end and you just sit there and you go, what? Like, you know, one of those, like, like you just got to go, all right, this wasn't my night. Like, you know, if you are the over, you, you caught a big break, but yeah, I mean, tonight, just uh, Monday night, just a lot of blowouts. I mean, we're, we're recording late and the wizards Lakers are tied late 92, 92, which I thought that game was going to be competitive because the Lakers are just not the same without Anthony Davis and Dennis Schroeder. So uh, yeah, but, you know, when you get these blowouts, it affects DFS, it affects player props, and, you know, the good thing is uh, Tuesday's a new day. Tuesday is a new day. Look at you. So optimistic about just the rebound there. You got to turn the page, I, man. I mean, even when you have a great night, like Sunday was a great night, 7-1, but it's like, all right, well, what happens tomorrow? I mean, you know, how much of that, you know, do you, do you give any back? Do you just stay afloat? But, you know, for the most part, though, lately for wager alarm hoops, it's been pretty good, you know, uh, a lot more winning than losing. And that's always the goal. We just want to be profitable. Nine games slate on Tuesday night for NBA. Uh, just kind of thinking about ahead tomorrow. Uh, well, by the time people are listening to this, they'll still probably have time uh, to take a look at some articles of yours over at wager alarm. 
Bet.com, you do a prop bet article, you do a uh, a best bet article. Uh, just looking at the schedule tomorrow, is there a game in particular you think that you and uh, and and better should pay kind of close attention to? Um, Blazers Philly is that going to be a good game? Brooklyn Sacramento. Uh, Toronto just beat Philly two nights ago. It's a rematch. Uh, uh, Raptors won 110-103. So um, it was surprising that it was that low scoring. Um, yeah, it was was that? Yeah, it was Sunday. Yeah, what am I talking about? Yeah, la- which is last night, but it's late Monday. Yeah, that was the only prop I lost on Sunday. I had Embiid over 44 and a half <laughs> points, rebounds, assists. He finished with 44. So if he... And he missed a three with like 10 seconds left. I was like, so if that would have went in, it would have been an eight and oh night. But again, you know, when you lose these profits by half a point, it's like, all right, it sucks because you feel like, oh, hit that one free throw. I mean, Embiid shot six of 20 from the field. Six of 20, which is very uncharacteristic for him. So, yeah, that would definitely be a really good game. We'll see if Kyle Lowry is back. He's missed, I think, three games in a row now for Toronto. Um, so you'd expect Philly to perform better in that one. I think Denver Portland is pretty interesting. Portland's playing on a back to back, but only one of their starters played more than 30 minutes on Monday because they got blown out. Um, so that should be a pretty, I mean, the totals 231 right now. Uh, that's a game I might want to hop on the over pretty quickly. Um, cause I think that number goes up. Um, but yeah, that game, I would look at Toronto Sixes should be a good game, and Nets are home against Sacramento. The over-unders open at 242. Sacramento's awful defensively. I mean, then so I'll probably look at – I might look at some Nets player props there. Well, the Nets, though, have gone under now two games in a row. The Nets have scored 112 points and 109 in the last two, but they were against the Clippers and the Lakers, or two of the better defensive teams. They, the Nets played the Kings last week. And the final score is 136-125. Makes sense. Makes sense. Guys, be on the lookout for it. Wageralarm.com. Adam Ronis's uh his best bets article plus his uh his player props articles. You guys don't want to miss it. People are making uh good money off of these uh of, of betting these. So uh definitely take a look. Um, you know, it's so funny, Adam, with the, the way the weekend went and uh, and coming into today. I don't even know if I've looked at any recent news, um, which is going on. I was doing uh, dealing with like prep work for the FSGA. Well, I was trying to relax over the weekend. And then the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, the first uh, the first of their uh, their draft extravaganza this week. Uh, that was today. Main league champions league for. Fantasy baseball, um, I, I got to tell you, man. I mean, we'll talk about it. We'll, you know, check out the uh, the tweet for uh, for the draft board. You guys can go to rtsports.com slash fsga, uh, and it'll be there. I know that you broke down the draft a little bit here uh, with Lisa Ann. You know what I got to tell you? The one thing that I can say clearly and without even remote hesitation here at the uh, – at this draft being done, Adam, you know what that is? What? Drafting and broadcasting sucks. If you're doing it, at oh the yeah, same time, I hate it. I hate it. Oh my god! So, so I I said no. I didn't want to be on the broadcast team because I was doing this draft. Well, lo and behold, a certain program director 
uh, was away for all the whole week, all week last week, and uh, decided not to adhere or, you know, look into my multiple emails saying that I didn't want to be on the broadcast team, right? Didn't want to do it. Figured, okay, what I was going to do is I was going to spend my day today, my morning today, last minute touch up things for, for FSGA, and then, you know, just kind of get some last minute work done for the draft, kind of map things out, just making sure I was ready. And I'll tell you what, man, when I go into a draft, do you have a process? Like if you're drafting online, I mean, aside from like printing out your own rankings, do you have like any kind of like process for yourself? Like, you know, a particular snack, you get something to have, you know, for, for food there or anything like that. Do you have prep work during a draft? Or no, I like to I like to eat a meal before because I don't want to be, you know, having food and be distracted, especially if it's food that you eat with your hands and you got your keyboard. So I just like to get my meal done before the draft and mm-hmm. maybe maybe have some coffee um, while I'm drafting, you know, because I, I like to have my coffee. So. That's pretty much it. Yeah, and it's it's pen and paper. Print out my rankings, cross names off, and that's what I like to do. Music are you listening to? You got the TV going in the background, anything nah, like I'm, that? I mean, I might have some porn on the side, but that's it. Really? No. You like sit there. I was going to say, that seems a little weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to take this guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, then you go on the radio, like, yeah, I'll take a so like oh, so talk about your third round pick. Oh, I love Ashanti, big booty, thick thighs. Oh wait, sorry, my bad. I don't see anything wrong with that. No, I don't either. I, don't see, I think I actually said it on the show today <laughs> that sometimes I like to pick a fight with my wife so she'll go storm off into the other room, and I know I'll get to watch whatever I want to watch on TV. And the louder the door slam, the longer I know she's gonna be in there. So it's like it's like really loud door slam. I could probably put some porn on and and not worry about her walking in on me. I usually, well, we're usually drafted in March, so I'll usually have basketball on, depending on the time. Like I have a labor auction next week, but it's mm-hmm. four to eight p.m. on a Thursday. Actually, oh, I think that's the last day before the All Star break, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Yeah, March fifth is the All Star break, so. Four to eight, there won't be any games on at that time. Well, they will be towards the end of the auction. So I don't know. I'll probably just have the TV on, but I won't pay attention to it. But yeah, nah, I'm trying to focus on the draft. And it's an auction too. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. that was an auction we did in person last year in Florida. So I don't even know what software we're using either. They haven't said anything yet. So kind of just waiting to see. And then uh, because... I depending on what site they use, I might have never used that for auction software. So that's something I want to go in early and get used to. I've only done auctions on CBS and NFBC software. I don't think I've done a baseball auction on any other software. Okay. Well, you'll uh, you'll have to explore. Let us know if you find a a new and interesting one. I've done them on RT Sports and um, yeah, I've done NFBC. How is how's the RT? For... RT is fine. Okay. It's, it, it's fine. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's perfectly, it's, it's like any other it's, you know, RT is an easy one to navigate anyway, especially their draft room. So, you know, I'm not worried about that. I, you shouldn't be worried about that. It's a good platform. Um, I've dealt with CBSs. I've dealt with I'm trying to think of who else. Well, I mean my fantasy league, but that's only football. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I got to tell you, man. So, so my process, at least, you know, if it's a draft that I just, you know, I want to prepare for, I'm going to print out my own rankings. Um, I like to, I, I pick out a fish show because, you know, fish shows, you know, good, solid fish shows, like three hours of music. Right. So I, f- I pick out a show that I want to listen to. Maybe I haven't listened to it in a while. And I put that on at the start of the draft and, you know, and that's it, man. You know, I'm like, I'm listening to music. I'm smoking a bunch of weed uh, because it just, it, it relaxes me. It keeps me focused. It keeps me locked on, um, you know, great part of the show, great part of great music that's going on. I start getting a little into that. So that occupies the time because I'm picking, you know, on the wheel and kind of fills in the rest. But, you know, I'm like, I'm in a groove and I'm feeling good about it. Right. Maybe I got an energy drink. I got some water. I'm feeling all right throughout the whole thing. So that's great. Broadcasting and drafting. It's just, so I find out this morning that that my my requests of uh, of not being on the broadcast team have been completely ignored and then get the guilt trip. Oh, well, you know, I always have four four people on for broadcasting these, you know, these drafts and you know, we won't go to you very much, you know, we won't go to you when it's, you know, like near your pick or anything like that and you know, you can just kind of chime it, man. I got to tell you, it wasn't even so much that I had to like be on the air at, at the, you know, like during the show. Well, I mean, it did. It sucked because there I am, you know, I'm not listening to music. I'm hearing the chatter back and forth. It's like in my ears, right? It's like Lenny Melnick is talking to Jim Bowden, who's talking to Kyle Elfrink um, about players like from four rounds ago. And it's like, you know, it's like it's it's very difficult to focus, not to mention the fact we're live streaming these fucking drafts. Right. So I can't you know, I can't sit there and puff while I'm sitting there live on air. I like hump an e-cig for like four hours because I couldn't just like, you know, couldn't like smoke, uh, you know, any plant, uh, you know, couldn't, you know, couldn't eat anything, couldn't, you know, couldn't pick my fucking nose, you know, like whatever the case may be. It was like the sanctity of like my draft room was completely invaded. And uh, and, and I just felt uncomfortable the entire time. Uh, talked to Matt Sells, who produced it from the fantasy LR team. He was like, dude, I've never seen you look so miserable before. <laughs> I'm sitting there and like literally my, uh, you know, I'm like, I wrap up the draft. I go inside. My wife is like, she's like, yeah, hey, I uh, caught some of that live stream today and i was like yeah what'd you think she was like well you didn't talk for a really long time and well <laughs> you look retarded <laughs> at certain points i was like what do you mean <laughs> she was like she was like ah oh, you were just like sitting there you were just like zoned out staring into space you know like i know you're like researching i see you typing and i see you looking for certain things i see you crossing off names off your list but she's like you're like this like mouth breather it was another thing also is that you know like you know i just i have an addiction to afrin i'm gonna you know share that with you here and when i get stuffed up it's like you know it's like impossible to breathe and so you know, I'm sitting there on the live stream and it's on air the entire time and I can't like skip away to like shoot myself up full of Afrin. And so it's like the, the whole thing was just, man, I got to tell you, I mean, I don't hate my team. I like my team a lot, but oh my God, dude, it was so uncomfortable. Oh, 
And on top of that, so Jim Bowden's on the broadcast also, and Bowden's all stoked, and he's happy to be there. He's all excited and stuff. And he's like texting me a bazillion times, like different players. Now he's not, he can't see in the draft room. And, you know, by the time all of a sudden it was like round 11 or 12, he's like texting me these names that have like been gone for three or four rounds. And I was like, this is just, this, this blows, man. This, it, it killed my draft experience, Adam. I had all sorts of high hopes and it just, it ruined it for me. Ruined it. Well, that sucks because draft day is supposed to be fun, right? And I said that on the uh, on the on the live stream too. Like when it finally like it just like it was. I got to the point where it, like just got to me, and I was like, you know what? This one's out for everybody who's watching this on the live stream. When you're drafting, make sure you're comfortable. Have your routine. Have your setup the way it is. Don't let anybody invade it. And I said, I was like, you know, you guys chattering about players and stuff. While I'm sitting there trying to like, you know, look at, you know, who's available, who I'm looking at next, try and get my cue set up again. And it was just, ugh, ugh, ugh. That ever happened to you? I'm sure it has. I can't remember when, but I'm sure it's happened at some point where something went wrong, draft room, or I don't know. I'm sure it's happened. I just can't remember it. Oh, uh, yeah, I do remember an auction where this guy didn't show up he didn't tell me he was out of town and i had to get him on the phone and uh he was like drunk and it was just a miserable experience and i'm like all right well this guy's never he's never coming back to the league and he didn't come back he didn't even like he was like it was an auction too and he's doing it on the phone and he's like being an asshole about it and then he lost connection and i'm like all right whatever we're just gonna fucking throw these players on his roster who gives a shit he ain't winning this shit anyway <laughs> But yeah, I'm the commissioner, you know, and like this guy's not here and then uh, just a mess. So, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, those things tend to happen. Yeah, that's a bummer. It's a real bummer. Um, and I totally hate it. I really do. Um, you know, and but I got to tell you again, I didn't think it was it was a bad draft for me. It was just it felt like a bad draft for me. It really did. So I'll tell you what, let's uh, let's go through it again. The draft board is uh, is rtsports.com slash FSGA. You can watch the live stream. Go to at uh, Fantasy Alarm on Twitter. Go to Fantasy Alarm's YouTube page um, or Facebook page. The draft is uh, is right there. Um, we'll just kind of take a quick look through this draft, not just mine, but everybody's. We'll see what, uh, what Adam Ronis likes. But shout out to Monkey Knife Fight. Uh, our beautiful sponsor, the DFS site you should be playing on, especially if you like prop games. And here's why. Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Then you need to check out monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because monkeyknifefight.com is different than the other daily fantasy sites. That's because on monkeyknifefight.com, there are no salary caps and you don't have to play against sharks, which means anyone has a chance at winning, even you, Adam, even you. Uh, monkeyknifefight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, and eSports too. Monkey Knife Fight has it all. You know what else monkeyknifefight.com has? How about a free $5 game 
for you for just for signing up. And if you use the promo code ANTIUP, one word, A-N-T-E-U-P, you will have your first deposit matched instantly up to 50 bucks. With a name like monkeyknifefight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're going to be getting when you sign up to play. Monkeys and knives and fights and sports. Sign up and play today at monkeyknifefight.com. Play, play MKFing win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. So that's how we uh, pay the bills. So there I was, Adam, picking 12th out of 14. Um, I chose the draft spot. I had the option of, uh, of picking 12th or 13th, or I guess I was, it could have been somewhere around 7th or 8th um, was the highest I could go. So there I was. Picking 12th. You got the draft board in front of you. Um, I guess we just, you know, I mean, the basic first round, everything kind of went the way I thought it was going to go. Um, you know, Acuna, Tatis, Betts, Soto, Trout, Trey Turner. Um, and then it went Cole and DeGrom and Yelich and Bieber and Bauer. And it got to me and, you know, the, the usual suspects, the casty characters who are there at the tail end of the draft, I opted for Jose Ramirez. Um, a little power speed uh, at the corner infield. Feel good about that. I just, I love the player. I've always loved the player. Um, comes back around Bellinger, Story, Bueller, Lindor off the board. And I said, fuck it, man. I'm not going to do the pitching thing. I know a lot of people are going to take pictures in between now and then. But. You know, for me, if it wasn't Cole or DeGrom or, uh, or or Bieber, and mostly if it wasn't Cole or DeGrom, then I wasn't biting, you know, and I wasn't going to, you know, do that for that. So Freddie Freeman uh, is, the, uh, is the way there. And then as you see the board, tons of starting pitching went off. Did I, Adam Ronas, make a mistake? Uh, I'll say No. Uh, you know, you made that decision not to go with the pitching. Um, I think for me, I probably, I don't know, I would have, I might have taken an arm. I might have gone with Darvish there. Uh, you know, I was big on Darvish last year mm-hmm. and he came through. And I know health is an issue for him, but uh, he's been really good the last couple of years going to San Diego. So, you know, you got to make that decision. Um, going into the draft, what you want to do, how you're going to address pitching, knowing that it's getting pushed up the board. So it's fine because, you know, Freeman's a stud. MVP season last year, he's always been an elite hitter. You know, the one thing is maybe the power drops if this ball is really going to be something that doesn't fly out as much because Freeman's never been like this elite, elite power hitter. He's a big line drive hitter, but still good average, good lineup. So I don't want to say I wouldn't say it's a mistake. You know, I, you just have to figure out what you want to do. You know, we saw two teams here, or three teams here start with two pitchers. Um, so everyone has a different approach when it comes to pitching this year. Yeah. My, my feeling was, was I knew that if I didn't take a pitcher in round two, that a lot of pitching was going to go off the board. And so because of that, I was like, you know what? It'll probably, you know, it'll it'll eliminate that like second tier, even the third tier. Um, I could still kind of build around, you know, you could still build a, a solid pitching staff and, you know, and, and get the, uh, get the, the, the hitters that I wanted, you know, get the elite bats uh, that I liked. And so, you know, 
Um, you know, round three. Oh, so round two is like all this pitching. Round three, a lot of hitters, a lot more hitters than I thought were going to go. I was surprised that uh, Lewis Robert went as early as he did. Um, I was surprised, a little surprised that Corey Seager, Kyle Tucker uh, went when they did. Um, but overall, I'd say it was still fine. But, uh, you know, coming back, it was like, do you go for like the Woodruff, the Zach Gallen, maybe the Blake Snell kind of route, or do you stay with hitting? And I just said, fuck it, man. I just stayed, stayed with hitting. Springer and Torres, Gliber Torres is my next two. So top four picks, Jose Ramirez, Freddie Freeman, George Springer, Gliber Torres. I'm pretty happy with that. It's, gonna, it's a nice start for waiting on pitching. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. If you pass on pitching, you're going to get some big bats, and that's the area where you're going to stock up. And then you just got to figure out what you're going to do with pitching as you uh, go through the draft. Yeah, and that was, you know, when I was taking care of it over the next uh, couple of rounds. Next three out of my next four picks were all pitchers. But you know what? I mean, listen, I can sit here and kind of go back and forth. Do You, you tell me, man, what do you think? Of, we'll start with my draft. What do you think of my draft? What do you think of the team overall? What, you know, possible things that you would have done differently based on who's uh, who, who went afterwards or anything like that? Give me some thoughts. Dig in, Adam. Dig in, baby. Go ahead. I can take it. Um, No, it's pretty good. I mean, I like Devers better than Springer, but my guess is you had Ramirez at third, or maybe you just like Springer better than Devers. I think Devers is a elite hitter, and I think he's a phenomenal value at the end of round three. Uh, Torres, I, you, yeah, I guess he wouldn't make it back. He'd probably go later in the round, uh, but he should bounce back. You know, he had some struggles last year. Um, I would have taken Carrasco over Barrios. I uh, just think going to the National League, um, probably no DH. I know that could still change, but I, I just think Carrasco has a higher ceiling than Barrios. Uh, yeah, I, that I agree with. Higher ceiling, yes. You're not worried about Carrasco as far as, you know, everything that he's been through? I came back last year and pitched, so I got to think he's okay. Okay. Cool, cool. All right, Carrasco over Barrios. I got gotcha. you. Keep rolling, baby. Um, like the Alvarez pick. Um, thank you. That was one that Jim was like bugging the crap out of me. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I've drafted for how many years without you? Let me do this. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me alone. Stop screaming names at me. Um, I, this report you probably didn't see, but I saw this come out. It was an article for the athletic that David O'Brien wrote about Mike Soroka, and he said, uh, this is, I'm quoting from the article, nearing the end of rehabilitation from Achilles surgery, Soroka has been throwing off her mound since mid-January, and the Braves hope to have the young ace back in the rotation by late April, maybe sooner. So, don't know what that means, um, but even if he only misses two weeks, not a big deal for you. If he misses a month, a little bit more of an issue where, you know, where you took him. Uh, I think Dylan Carlson should bounce back. He really struggled hitting changeups last year uh, for most of the season, then adjusted and had a strong finish. Amir Garrett could close for the Reds. They have a lot of candidates in that bullpen, but I think Lucas Sims has somewhat of an elbow issue. I, I like Lucas Sims a lot, but I saw he's dealing with some elbow issue. Um, so that's that's a concern. Miles Straw. Looks like he can be the center fielder and gets a lot of speed. I mean, Gavin Lux in round 22, I understand he might not 
be the starter to begin the year, but that is like ridiculous. Round 22 for Gavin Lux. Yeah, I was kind of taken back by that too, that he just keeps falling. I mean, you look at the Dodgers depth chart, they've got him in there. I mean, they don't they don't really want to go. They would prefer to use Chris Taylor as, you know, an all-around utility guy, like they usually do, because Taylor can play the outfield also. They don't want to like take up, they don't want to occupy his whole time, you know, over there at second base. So I'm like, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, Lux needs to come out strong though. He needs, he yeah, needs no, a he, strong spring. There's this chance he doesn't start. Uh and right. then the concern is, all right, well, if we're not starting him, should we just send him down? So that it's a possibility. But in round 22, I'm absolutely taking him there. Because if he does start and lives up to the prospect level that everyone said. That's going to be an absolute steal. So I'm surprised he lasted that long. I would not have let them fall if I was in this draft, especially if I had a need at middle infield. Because, again, it's round 22. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's where you're swinging for the fences and go, all right, if this guy does play every day, what is he going to do? Um, we saw where he was going last year. Everyone had expectations for him. So I'm pretty stunned that he lasted that long. Yeah, I was surprised he he fell down as as far as he did. I was surprised actually that that Miles Straw fell down to the 18th round. Like I know he's he's you know a one trick pony, but you look at you know Houston and you read the reports, they're not signing Jackie Bradley Jr. So if Houston's out on Jackie Bradley Jr., who else is going to play center field for them? They already said they don't want Kyle Tucker playing center field. Right. The Brantley's not going to play center field. So they don't have anybody, you know, off the depth chart there. And I mean, this is a kid who, you know, steals a ton of bags and it's got Dusty Baker there who's just going to be like, go ahead, keep running, keep running. Yeah. I think people are concerned is he's just not a good hitter. But if he does play every day, he will steal, but he's not going to give you any power. Or any RBIs. So I think that's what people are looking at. But Right, but I mean, do, in, in round 18, as my sixth outfielder, I was like, my fifth outfielder? I don't know. He was my sixth, right? One, two, three, four. No, he's my fifth. As my as my fifth outfielder, I'm like, I mean, are, are, are there any other, like, you know, do I want, you know, who, who, who else could have been there? Lorenzo Cain, Chris Taylor? Nimmo, if it were an OBP league, would be one thing, but it's not, right? I mean, I could have gone for, like, you know, possible Aaron Hicks uh, upside there or go for, like, the rookie and Kirilov, but I already had Dylan Carlson there. For me, it was like, ah, listen, if the dude's going to swipe me bags, I mean, look at what look at what fucking Ambrosius and, uh, and Butcher did from the NFBC, do you see the first three picks? Trey yeah, Turner, Bobuchet, Lewis, Robert. Boom. They did. They did a lot of things I like, but then they just puzzle me with like taking Hater and Karinchak back to back because both those guys are not guaranteed saves. Right. So the, uh, I mean, Karinchak should close, but remember, it's Cleveland. They care about money. Do they want to get the arbitration clock ticking? They have Emmanuel Classe, Whitgerton. So that's my concern. Hater, you know. They have uh, Devin Williams there who was – if people don't re- remember last year, go back and look at Devin Williams' stats from last year. You're going to be like, holy shit, what the hell? I mean, he was just absolute filth. Um, and do they use Hader in a multiple inning role? He might not get every save. Yeah, the other ratios are fine. But Williams last year had 53 strikeouts, nine walks in 27 innings, a 0.33 ERA. 
and a whip of 0.63. I mean, he was just absolutely lights out. You know, he gave a 11.1% line drive rate, no hard contact, uh, you know, 96 with the fastball, got the change up, the uh, change up that just threw everyone off balance. 22.3% swing strike rate. I mean, just, and I know it's only small amount of innings, but, you know, they might go, all right, we'll throw Hater for two. Williams will close. We're not going to use Hater the next day and then bring back Williams to close. So that's somewhat risky there. So that's what I was like, loving it. And then, you know, I like, you know, Musgrove, uh, Framo Reyes, Yaz, Hosmer. Um, I'm telling you right now, man, if Marquez gets traded out of Coors Field, my goodness, man, that dude is going to be – that's an absolute steal. I mean, you can't draft thinking that, but seeing what Colorado has done, um, I like the Chris Taylor pick, Mark Conha. They did a lot of things I like, but then they, you know, did some things where I was kind of puzzled as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like I mean, my, that start, though, my... that's, that speed that they got up top, man, oh, man. And I know – and I know it's all young players, but you know what? You want to have young players in today's game. You want to have young players in today's game. Number two, I mean, listen, you've got Turner Bichette and Lewis Robert. You're telling me that these idiots aren't going to be at the top of the category in stolen bases. You and I have talked about this, man. Like stolen bases is one of those categories where it's so easy to move up in Roto, especially if you're like middle of the pack. If you can get a guy who's going to swipe a bunch of bags, then you can make up, you know, three, four, five points in a Roto league with like a handful of stolen bases. So, you know, you, you, you know, if they lock down saves or, or you know, they, they could, they could have good, good save numbers there. But they lock up stolen bases and all of a sudden, man, that's like two commodities that you could possibly deal away. Um, so, yeah, I kind of I mean, I love the start. I really did. I was, uh, you know, I was I was uh, I was pretty I, I had Lewis Robert. I was going to take Lewis Robert with the uh, with my third round pick. I was like, I was locked into him and I was like, because I, I would have told you, I would have told gonna, you there's there's no way he's making it back to you. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I just, I saw that. I mean, but I wasn't going to take him in the second, right? I mean. Well, where but, you were picking, no. Right. So, you know, so I was like eyeballing him. I was like, ah, oh, maybe, you know, he'll fall to me. It'll give me some good, you know, some, some, just a decent supplement to Jose Ramirez um, for stolen bases there. But man, when they, they locked him down, I was like, shit, I'm going to have to talk to these guys about, you know possible trade you know like early on the draft like these are gonna be the guys that you're gonna go to for stolen bases and you're gonna have to pay to get them like really pay yeah that's the problem is it's all in their first three round picks they might not want to move them but then again if they have a need for pitching or something maybe they do make a move but you would think they certainly are going to be up there in stolen bases if everything works out yeah yeah, yeah definitely definitely um, but I mean, again, you, you look though, and they, they do, obviously they lack power and that, you know, that's not just home runs, that's home runs, that's RBI. That's, you know, like these three guys will help them out for, for runs scored, but you know, the, the support of the, uh, the rest of the cast there, I'm not too impressed to it. Like, I, you know, I look at like my team and then I look at their team and I'm like, okay, I feel like I've got much more balance. They are very, very speed heavy, very speed heavy. They got guys who are going to hit home runs. 
They have okay. I mean, how once he's know. got power, Reyes has power. Yeah, Robert has power. Bichette has power. Yeah, I guess I'm just not looking at. I'm you know, it's it's not high end <clears throat> elite power. I guess is what I'm looking at. Is that's kind of where I'm leaning. Like I'll take the power of a Freddie Freeman or a uh, you know a Cody Bellinger or something like that, and then knowing that my first power guy is like Muncie and then Frandell Reyes. They did snake Hosmer from me. I was eyeballing him as well after uh, after our conversation. Yeah, so, I just think he's in a great spot this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. Um, let's see. Some of the other picks. Well, I mean, who else's team did you look at and you like? Anyone in particular? I know it's always tough to grade at this time of year, but. Uh, let's see. Um, I actually, I like the start for Ray Flowers, man. Um, Yelich, Harper, Bregman, Marte. And then to get Lynn, who led the majors in innings last year. And he's a workhorse now going to the White Sox. And even Zach Grinke. I know people are like, oh, Grinke, he's so boring. I think this year the philosophy on pitching has to be different because we know some of these guys are just not going to throw a lot of innings. I think guys like Zach Grinke and Kyle Hendricks become more valuable because, yeah, their strikeout rates are not elite. And, yeah, Grinke actually struck out 67 batters in 67 innings last year, but we don't typically think of him as a guy that's going to get elite strikeout numbers, even though he's been um, – Pretty good the last few years, but every year we oh his velocity's down this and that, um, and he gets the job done and he goes out there. So um, he always provides a good whip, and and people don't look at whip enough, man. When, it, when people talk pitching, they're like ERA strikeouts. I mean, whip is a category, guys. I mean, look at the whip for Jack Greinke the last four years: one point zero seven, one point zero eight, zero point nine eight, one point one three. I mean, he just doesn't walk anyone. So I. For waiting on pitching and to get those four bats to come out with Lynn and Grinky. And I think JD Martinez is going to bounce back to get him around seven. Um, you know, he got a, a closer in Kenley Jansen, Marcus Simeon in round 11. Um, so I like that start, man. Yeah, I had um, I had Lynn on my board. I was actually looking at Lynn for my uh, my first starter in that same round. Um, I thought about Greinke um, coming back. I mean, the, there was a pretty significant dip in velocity last year. So, you know, there's obviously, you know, there's some concern there. So, you know, I, I figured I would continue on the, uh, on, the, on the offensive ascension there rather than take Greinke as my second starter. But I, I definitely thought about him. Semyon was a guy who was on my board also who, uh, you know, I just watched him get sucked out of the queue. I, I like oh uh, who else oh um <laughs> that's right I went Amir Garrett instead of taking a second catcher and uh, I was like lining up Buster Posey and lo and behold Ray got him too I like the Cindergard pick round seventeen for him it's a back end of the season kind of a play Do you I have, think that could be nice is there is there unlimited IL in this um well I don't know if it's unlimited IL. Lo and behold, yes, I obviously did not read the rules completely thoroughly. <laughs> I see. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it was, man? I was so, 
I was so bummed. My whole day was lost to trying to find somebody, you know, trying to get back and forth with the, maybe getting somebody to cover for me uh, on the broadcast to do that. But that's like slim pickings and, you know, whatever. And then <laughs> and I was like, I, I just didn't I, I was going to have my whole day to just spend on the draft and just kind of enjoy it. Like, you know, get that that feeling back of ah, it's draft day. Right. And I didn't like if this were if we were at an FSGA convention right now or whatever, I would have like I would have traveled in the night before and I would have spent the entire day leading up to the draft in my hotel room. I would have ordered room service. I would have just sat there. I would have, you know, finished up some research, read a bunch of the news and then just like, you know, gone downstairs all nice and chill and just boom, settle into the draft. Right. That's what I was trying to achieve today at home. And I couldn't because it was filled with a bazillion conference calls and emails back and forth about this stupid broadcast and, and live stream. If, uh, Adam, I blame you. Um, OK, go ahead. If that makes you sleep at night, blame me. I'm blaming you. I'm blaming you. You're also, I, I, again, I couldn't believe that you weren't even on the emails as far as, like, I didn't even think about, like, talking to you about the, the prop draft yet because I figured, okay, I'm just waiting for, you know, these guys to send the list of props. No sense in, like, talking to Adam about possible props when we don't even know the pool that we're looking for for the prop thing. And then all of a sudden, by the time that happened, you were finally on an email and Digger hit you up, and you said you couldn't do it. Yeah, I was surprised. I was like, um, no one told me about this, man. No one asked me about this. And you're telling me two days before? No. I was so, you know, because, I mean, I was just so wrapped up in dealing with all of the live stream stuff that I didn't even, like, it, it just didn't even cross my mind. I don't even, because it didn't cross my mind to check to see if you were on the email, like if you were on the chain. Like, I, why wouldn't it be the same people if everybody's, you know, back at the FSG, let alone me, you know, it's there and blah, blah, blah. Why would you know, you know, it's me and Adam. Did you just assume that, you know, Adam and I were, you know, talking about all the time? I didn't know any of the fucking details. So that's why I blame you. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it! Now I'll say tomorrow I gotta sit and I gotta research all of these stupid props because I didn't have any time to do it today. What am I gonna do it tonight? Right now? I went from I went from a four hour draft broadcast uh, to wrapping up a bunch of work and finishing that up to grabbing you know a quick dinner with the misses and uh, and back out here recording. <sighs> Sit and look at props tonight. Come on, man, that's your job. Nah, I got real. Pro I got real props to give out to help people win money. I know that's the worst part about this is I'm doing this <laughs> for nothing. Just go big, bro. Because we did. I am. That's it. Yeah. Go big. Because you big, saw the guy big. who won in in the one we did. He just took long shots. Two or three of them hit. Boom, you win. It's basically. You do the middle, you're not going to win. So that was the first time we saw it. And, you know, now you could go big and miss all of them. But if you 
go in the middle and do here a little bit here and there, you're going to finish middle of the pack. Yeah, no, it's all or nothing, dude. I'm going down swinging. I'm either going to win this thing or I'm going to finish in dead last. Lakers lose again. Wizards won five in a row. They beat the Lakers in overtime. And I did give out Wizards plus seven. So at least I got a winner tonight. <laughs> Adam Rodas, everybody. Adam Wagner, Rodas. Wagner hit me up. He's like, are you sure about the Wizards, man? I watched them. I'm like, yeah, man. The They won four in a row. They're playing the best basketball of the year. And the Lakers without Anthony Davis and Schroeder are just, I can't take them over anyone right now by seven. And then the Wizards win straight up, 127, 124 in overtime. Congratulations. Well, so, someone placed like a $10,000 bet. What was it? Five, something ridiculous the other day. I saw it tweeted out. Like a, someone put like 5000 or 10000 on the Wizards to win the NBA championship. And everyone was like laughing. And now they've won five in a row. Not that they're not going to win, though. It's still money thrown down the drain. Um, if I'm wrong, come back and you know send this clip to me. <laughs> oh man well all right so any final thoughts on uh on fsga seeing the uh the, the baseball draft you've now seen um a labor 15 team mlb draft you've now seen a 14 team fsga draft um any uh any general thoughts that you uh that you might have not just uh, I think the NFBC, we've seen pitching creep up and it is now filtering into the industry leagues uh, because we never saw this much pitching ever go in these industry leagues. Four in the first round, um, seven in the second round. That's not something we're used to seeing. Oh, it's gross. I mean, 11 pitchers in the first 28 picks in this draft. I'll probably do it with one of my teams just to, you know, kind of spread the strategy out for the most part, but, ah, man, I just, I can't jump that quick. I guess maybe it'd be different if I was picking like seventh or eighth and it was like faced with either, you know, DeGrom or Yelich, Ramirez, Story, Bellinger, you know, because like that, I, I honestly think that DeGrom is literally the only pitcher, even even over Garrett Cole and, and Bieber and Bauer and Bueller. Like if it to me, it's either I'm going to take Degrom, or I'm going to take a hitter, and that's it in the first round. Yeah, I mean Degrom has just been money in the bank the last few years. So you know the goal is in the first round to get reliable, high floor. It's Degrom. You know who I was hoping, by the way, who I was hoping was going to fall to me in the second round. He was taken right before me, Francisco Lindor. Is it just me or does everybody feel like Lindor going from Cleveland to New York is just going to be much happier, like just feel good about like New York, you know, loft, you know, lofting them on their shoulders, um, what New York can do to a player. I mean, listen, I don't want to take anything away from Cleveland, but it's fucking Cleveland versus New York. And I feel like, you know, the Latino community in New York and just, the the excitement from Mets fans for you know the change that they've seen and all of that and I just feel like Lindor is going to feed off of that like in a major way I really do it's um 
I'm going to end up with a lot of shares of Lindor, I feel like, this year. Um, well, there's the opposite, too, where sometimes people put too much pressure on themselves when they come to New York, but we won't be having a lot of fans. I mean, they are actually allowing fans uh, beginning actually Tuesday. There'll be fans at Knicks game, uh, about 2,000. Um, I heard that the Brooklyn Nets are charging an insane amount to go there. Um, but there will be some fans. Uh, actually, movie theaters actually are going to start allowing people in. I think it was, was it March or April um, in New York as well? So uh, we will have some fans there, I'm assuming, for baseball this year. Um, but going, the, I think the park change is maybe a factor, too. Um, City Field is a tougher hitter's park than Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, there, there's some slight concerns, but you would expect, you know, he, he, he's playing for a contract, too. And you got to think, you know, the energy in New York and, you know, people are looking forward to him being here. He's definitely going to feel welcomed. And he's put up, uh, you know, he struggled last year. But again, 60 games, man. I'm not going to go crazy. But the three previous years were excellent. The one thing about him, though, he is a compiler. You know, he's a guy that, you know, has been on the field a lot. He doesn't really miss games. Um, and that's kind of been a product of him putting up those numbers. You know, when you're playing 159, 158 games, 143, um, you know, he's been pretty durable. So if he does miss time, it does tick his numbers down a little bit. And then the other factor is how much is he going to run on the Mets? The Mets are a team that doesn't really run a lot. I know they haven't had a lot of guys that that can steal, but I think, you know, th- those are some question marks as to why some people might be a little skeptical of Lindor. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is from the mouth of a uh, of a very pessimistic Mets fan. No, has, has years not, and years has of just nothing to do with the Mets. Dumped it's, on. It's being objective. Like, what did I say? There is not true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't draft. Look, when it comes to fantasy, I don't. I don't draft from my heart, dude. Last year we did this FSG draft. FSGA draft was January in Vegas, and I said on that broadcast, Pete Alonso is being overdrafted early third round. Like, why are you drafting Pete Alonso? Well, I mean, that was it. That I mean, that that was, was a complete obvious one. It that wasn't. Was then why was no everyone? Brainer. If it was so obvious, why was everyone drafting him in the third round? It wasn't obvious. It was obvious to me. Well, it wasn't obvious to most people. <laughs> but that, but that's insane. Like, if you didn't, if you thought he was gonna pop, even if you were like, no, oh, I'll just he'll st- he won't hit fifty, but I'll hit forty. They didn't think that like there was gonna be adjustments made that he was gonna struggle with. I mean, you had a, you know, I mean, I, I mean but I he did, he, he, what he did struggle early and he made adjustments late in the year and he went on a tear. But the, the thing that I didn't like was, all right, you're drafting a guy that has batting average downside, doesn't steal bases and is coming off a 53 homer season as a rookie. And we saw what happened to Aaron judge, same thing. So it's like, and I felt like Matt Olson had a similar profile two, three rounds later. So Never, I don't draft with my heart. I mean, right, but, draft, but, but see, Alonzo in that situation versus Lindor in this situation is light years different. I mean, Lindor has come off of, yes, this last, you know, the, the, the 2020 season, whatever, throw it away. The years before that, though, rock saw there's consistency to his game. We see that. Alonzo, it was like, oh, right out of the gate. And he's, boom. You know, it's like how many times? How many times have we seen in baseball? Forget about just in New York alone, of guys who come out of the gate and they just hit the crap out of the ball their first year. They're lauded as going to be the next big thing, uh, and then they shit the bed. I don't know if that happens a lot to Met fan, to the Mets, but like the Yankees, like you know, over the years, Kevin Moss, 
You know, we always had the next big thing coming off of the, uh, you know, uh, Greg Bird. You know, and we always had this like, you know, Nick Johnson. <laughs> like, they just keep popping into my head here. Like these guys who we thought were going to be so great. And you look at them now and they're just like, man, they were just, it just didn't happen. Does that, is that happen with the Mets too? Uh, they get hurt usually if they're a Met. They just um, get hurt. But no, I mean, again, I just, I didn't think Alonso was going to be awful. I just didn't think he should have been in that spot. That's all. I just thought he was overvalued there. Um, but I do think there, there are some question marks about Lindor. I don't think it's like, oh yeah, just pencil him in for what he's done in the past. You know, we've seen players change teams and there is an adjustment. Manny Machado went through it. I mean, I know he got a big contract, but Machado, his first year in San Diego wasn't great. Got comfortable and was phenomenal last year. We were able to get him at a cheaper price. I had Machado in a couple leagues last year. Now Machado goes back up to round two. It's tougher to get him. Mark my words, Adam Ronis. Mark my words. Francisco Lindor, you're going to wish you had more shares of him this year. Well, you they can't. You can only get him if you're picking late first, early second. Right. I know. I'm just saying you're gonna. And if you don't have any shares of him, uh, massive FOMO. Lindor FOMO. I'm telling you. Well, I hope so. I'm telling you. And I don't say that about a lot of Mets because I think it's just a team of little punk bitches usually. But I'm a big fan of Lindor. Well, and I just, I, I just, I feel like I like this move for him. Somebody else, I can't remember who the other player is. Oh, I did say Nolan Arenado also. Like going from like Colorado to St. Louis. I just, I think that, you know, overall, I just love the baseball town. I love the vibe for him over there. Um, better than I like it in Colorado, where it was just like, you know, hit home runs or you suck, kind of a situation. I like guys moving into to areas where I just feel like they're just going to be happier to play. That's all. Okay. I mean, Arenado did get praised for his defense a lot. He made highlight plays game after game. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about guys who I'll still support even with a big move. Like we just, you were just saying. You know, it's a big move going from Cleveland to New York and this and that and ballpark and going into the uh, National League. I'm saying you know, Arenado's another guy who uh, I know is moving into a different area where I just feel like he's going to be happier playing there. Had nothing to do with like not being a good player or anything like that. No, yeah, yeah, no. Am I losing uh, I mean, you? He should be you all falling right. asleep on me. He should be okay. I think I think he'll be better than okay. I don't think he's going to be the forty home run hitter he's in Colorado, but the dude's going to still pop thirty. His average is going to see. This is the the misconception people have. They think Cora's boosts home runs. It boosts average. That's where he's going to take a hit. He's going his average is going to go down. He's not hitting three fifteen or three. No, he's not hitting three fifteen. But for the same token, um, what career at career in uh, at Bush Stadium two seventy five? Yeah, how many games? How many games? Come on, man. You I don't can't know, 60, use that sixty. No, you can't use that though. I'm just saying it's not awful. It's not like he's hitting 230 there. No one said he's hitting 230, but his average is going to take a hit. That's where of he's going to take a hit. Going to take a hit. But he also goes to a division where there's not good pitching and better ballparks. Also, I mean, yes, Coors is a great ballpark, but no more Oracle Park in San Francisco. No more Dodger Stadium. Uh, you know, against that staff on a regular basis. 
Um, San Diego, another tough spot to hit in. Now he gets fucking Pittsburgh and Milwaukee. Ooh, Wrigley. That'll be nice. All right, so there we go. I think we can uh, we can we can dot the i's and cross the t's on tonight's episode. Again, you need the uh, draft board here. It's uh, rtsports.com slash fsga. Uh, we'll talk more in the week. Adam Ronis's MLB rankings are going to be coming out soon. The ultimate cheat sheet for fantasy alarm that'll be out soon. Fantasy baseball draft prep season, baby. Uh, get into it. Going to be great. Adam, when's your do you have any drafts coming up? Yeah, I got labor auction a week from Thursday and then Tout Wars the following Tuesday. Ooh. Ooh. All right. We'll take a look into those when they happen. But that's going to do it for us here tonight. Big thanks to all of you for uh, liking and subscribing. For Adam Ronis, I'm Howard Benner. This has been Andy Up. Catch you next time.